Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, January 18th, 2018. Otherwise, alternatively, or elseways, known as Thesaurus Day. I'm Chris Salamone, and with me as always are Mike Montgomery. Hello, that was really clever. Good uh-huh, job, Chris. Uh-huh. At, first, at first, I was like, wow, he's really bombing this intro, but... Then I pulled it, it all Good together. Job. And yeah. Ben Ueda. Hey. What's up? So, <laughs> let, let's hop into it. I'm sure Ben's got a lot to tell us about being in Uganda for, what, a little bit over a week? Uh, yeah. So, uh, had a great time. Um, got back safely. Uh, Sunday night, got back to the States after a lot of travel, so I'm still a little bit jet-lagged. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty incredible trip, and I went there to, you know, to meet the people that are sort of uh, the local people who I'm designing the school for, as well as members of the NGO uh, that is sort of supporting and putting this whole project together. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the I think the parts that will really relate and resonate with our audience and our topics in general of sort of making things is uh, <laughs> when you're when you're in a place like that, there's making isn't this like hobby or kind of every once in a while thing. It's such an essential part of day to day life. And that makes things challenging, but also makes certain things easier. So like one example was uh our guide for the whole trip was this really awesome dude named Patrick. Um, and he's going to be one of the people sort of running the school. But everyone there does more than one thing. He also has a little shop where he sells like uh, different kind of like seeds and gardening supplies and stuff like that. Sort of like a small hardware shop where the whole shop is about, I don't know, 200 square feet at the most. Um, wow. Which is really common there. But he was driving us around in this like minivan and minivans are, are like a very common uh, vehicle there because they can pack lots of people in them and not a lot of people have uh, cars. So the bumper was hanging kind of low and there's potholes everywhere. So it was just a matter of time before uh, <laughs> we went a little too fast over a pothole with like eight people in the car and the bumper just came off and was like dragging. Ooh. And it was like one of those like extra sort of, you know, really heavy duty steel bumpers that they need in places where there's, you know, animals wandering around and uh, yeah. bad roads and stuff. And so I'm like, oh, man, that's really going to derail us. But no, uh, all they did was they, he just like gets out of the car, uh, gets a piece of rope, ties it to like the base of the windshield wiper. And there's people with weldings, like welding shops, like probably one every two blocks at the most right wow they're like yeah. starbucks for them <laughs> yeah and uh because everything they make there is either steel or masonry um and a little bit of wood so he goes over and he, and he asked me he's like oh how much do you think that'll cost and i thought i don't know like i said probably like you know fifty thousand shillings which would be about uh 15 bucks uh, mm-hmm. us and the guy just sort of looks at it and he just like, you know, rummages through a pile, grabs like just uh, some L uh, and some angle irons and a hacksaw, just hand cuts a piece off of the angle iron with a hacksaw, just gets out the welder, welds it on and they fix the whole thing in about 20 minutes, like start mm-hmm. to finish. Nice. Um, and, you know, they're just sitting there welding with sunglasses on, no welding mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was just like, it was very like free form because everything there is sort of built more like a fort rather than the way sort of construction and manufacturing is done here. 
And so that's bad because everything's kind of haphazard and doesn't always work the way it was intended to. But it's good because it's also really easy to fix and patch up everything. Um, right, yeah. So it was, like, it was interesting to see that as like the, the sort of full uh, spectrum. But in general, my, uh, you know, I, I was sort of there to do research into sort of building materials and things like that. And that was really interesting. So uh, what, what are most buildings built out of? Uh, masonry. Uh, it would be the primary form of construction. So, yeah. and concrete is expensive over there. So, but they make mud bricks. So most buildings are made from mud bricks. Now in cities, those mud bricks might be made in bigger batches, but in the rural areas. So I was in an area called uh, Fort Portal, which is a town of about forty to 50,000 people, I think. And then the school is going to be in this this smaller sort of area about five miles outside of Fort Portal uh, called Chico, which is uh, only about 5,000 people. So it's a really small town. And most of the buildings there, they if you're going to build a building, you buy the land and then you start scraping up the dirt and it's like this red clay and you start oh, making yeah. mud bricks right on the site. And so you just take like a little uh, you know wood form that you make uh, to make these like eight inch by five inch sort of bricks. And you just pack the mud in, you make them about three inches thick, and they just mix the clay with the water and slap it in by hand. Uh, a good brick maker can make about 2,000 of these sort of rough bricks in a day. Um, wow, and then what they do is they stack them all into this giant mountain of bricks, but with these like tunnels underneath them. And then they shove in these like eucalyptus logs and light them in fire. So they basically build an oven out of the bricks that they're going to fire. And they just heat up the whole giant pile. And the pile might be like <laughs> 8 feet tall by like 12 feet by 12 feet. This giant pile of bricks. And so they Holy might have cow. two or three of these piles going. Smoke's coming out of them everywhere. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty epic. I'll post some pictures on our on our, uh, on our uh, uh, the, the Modern Maker Podcast Instagram account of the sort of brick making process. I also got some little video clips. So that's really cool because literally the, the majority of the, the, the volume of the building materials is coming from the ground itself. So it's like super local. Now, yeah, that's really cool. The bricks are really good in compression, and, but they're not as like, you're not, if you just made this structure out of all brick, it probably uh, wouldn't have any sort of like lateral strength and they have uh, mm-hmm. earthquakes and stuff there because okay. there's volcanoes in the region. So what they do is they then sort of, pile up the bricks except they leave gaps in the corners and where there needs to be like a column and then they slap boards up and then they pour concrete down so they're using the bricks as almost like as you know two sides of the molds for casting the columns Mm -hmm. and then they do what's like called a ring beam around that um and then they typically do sort of like welded steel doors and if they're doing a roof truss it might be uh sort of wood or steel um so it's from a design standpoint, it's pretty simple. I got a good sense of like what's available there and I'll be probably in the next couple months, I'll be working on the design and probably hopefully about two months from now, I'll release a YouTube video that sort of shows the whole design process and what the design is and uh, um, yeah, uh, sort of be- unveil it before construction begins probably late this summer. Do but, you plan uh, on going back down there once construction starts? Yeah, I'll probably try to go out there for groundbreaking um, and probably build a couple small parts of it, and then again there. But overall, like it was, it's it it was it was a really inspiring trip because it's one of those things where you realize, uh, you know, I, I was interviewing a lot of the kids 
uh, that are going to be going to the school. And it's sort of a mix of, of orphans and uh, kids from sort of just families in the area. And, you know, and just trying to figure out, you know, what, what should a school like be for these people whose culture I don't fully understand. But the, the part that kept resonating is, you know, I work really hard and I've certainly earned everything that I have. Uh, you know, no, no one's sort of given it to me. But I was thinking the whole time that if I grew up in this area, like none of the things that uh, I've sort of accomplished would have been possible simply because right. there wouldn't be educational. And it's such a, you know, certainly people over there, some can work harder than others, but there's such a ceiling on so many people uh, just because of, okay, so what? You get perfect grades. So what? Uh, yeah. you, you get that. There's, there's nothing necessarily you can do with it. Um, and so it's just like a great reminder to sort of be, you know, uh, to realize we're all standing on someone else's shoulders. Uh, you know, when I turn on the water in the morning or the electricity, it works not because I created it. It works because I'm fortunate enough in to live in a, in a country, uh, where there's been layers and layers of all these improvements in infrastructure. Um, it also made me think about like how, uh, you know, specifically I make things and like, we, we would say that it's like weird if you cut a whole bunch of steel with like an angle grinder, right. Mm -hmm. Instead of like a, a metal chop saw. Um, meanwhile, people over here are doing it with like a handheld hacksaw and cutting through right. like three inch or four inch, you know, equivalent sort of, uh, tube steel with, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> So yeah. it, it makes you re reevaluate all those things. Uh, but but mostly I just came away from the whole thing feeling like pretty inspired and incredibly grateful and just re, you know, re, sort of rethinking entitlement and privilege about, you know, what I've actually earned versus what I'm sort of fortunate enough to be born into. Awesome. Uh, so I'm sure when you went down there, you had a rough idea of like, oh, I'm going to, I plan on building the school out of this, or I want to build it this way or that. Maybe you didn't, maybe you just went in there with a clean slate. Are there anything like when you got down there and realized how they're building things or the materials they're using, is there anything that kind of came out of left field that's going to throw like a big curveball into what you were planning? Uh, more, more like some small things, right? Um, one was like how they, tr how they value wood. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there, there's trees there, but they're not, it's not forested. It's more like sparse. And occasionally these has these like sort of tropical hardwood trees. Mm -hmm. And I was looking around at the buildings, right? And if you're walking around like a city, you can sort of tell which materials are valued by like where they appear on what buildings, right? So the institutional, right. same thing in the US. If you, if you walk by a bank and you see that the exterior is clad in stone, and then you walk by a light industrial building and see it's clad in thin metal. And then you see houses and they're clad in vinyl. You kind of get an idea which how people sort of value these materials and, uh, and institutions that are sort of uh, being encased by them. Um, so what I sort of would see was uh, the really nice buildings would be like kind of all concrete with like mm -hmm. concrete detailing around a window and like really ornate uh, uh, steel work with glass, uh, real glass windows. And the sort of mediocre buildings would be sort of concrete frames with brick infill, uh, with corrugated metal roofs. And then the real cheap buildings would be like these kind of like live edge tropical uh, sort of slabs cladding them. And hmm. one, I was like, huh. Etsy homes. 
Right. I'm like, that looks like kind of like really nice, like tropical hardwood cladding that whole building. But they look at lumber. They look at the the sort of, you know, when they when they run the logs through the sawmill, they look at those sort of end pieces that are sort of like cur- that have one flat edge and then completely half curved on the other mm-hmm. as like sort of like the 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 ends of a loaf of bread <laughs> right <laughs> and so they sit right it's like exactly like you know when they make sandwiches they throw away the two end pieces and then so it's like yeah. no one has that sort of like crust that all crust piece so you'll see a lot of like uh piggeries which is a word that i learned <laughs> and like sort of livestock or sort of like sheds for for grain and stuff like that um all being made at these sort of end boards and so that was one of the things i was saying like oh so this is the material that's not valued, but it actually has like a pretty cool aesthetic. And it's like, it's like, you know, sort of their version of Ipe or Master and Duba or some sort of tropical hardwood. So I'm like, that's one of the, thing, the things I want to sort of work into it and into one of the features uh, uh, to figure out like a cool way to use that to kind of elevate that. Um, and I think I'm going to use it to make some sort of like window shades or louvers to help keep the hot sun off the building. That's interesting because whenever I go to the sawmill, those pieces that you're talking about are in a giant pile and no one ever uses it. But it's kind of cool to see that like nothing goes to waste as well. Right. Those sort of log, those sort of like wood skins, like the, it's like the potato exactly. skin that's all skin. Exactly. You go to the sawmill and the guy's like, hey, can I load up the truck, your truck bed with this stuff? And you're like, no, I don't want it. But there it's. It's getting used. That's really cool. Nice. Yeah. There's a lot of like uh, OSHA, is this okay kind of moments. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that Instagram you posted. Yeah. Of the guys uh, like on the lattice or on the uh, scaffolding. Scaffolding. Yeah. Yeah. It, but just just the, 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 the people were incredibly, you know, a little bit on the shy side, but mm-hmm. really friendly, um, uh, a little bit reserved. The And just super excited and welcoming um and again it's like i i I felt like a little bit uh indecent at times because you feel like they're they're treating you referentially like you've accomplished so much when really it's mostly that you've just been fortunate enough to been raised in more stability and opportunity so they treat you like you're this like visiting dignitary that's like this super accomplished person you know it's not really all merit-based it's more opportunity-based Oh, but I also gave away all my pocket knives that I brought with me, and they were like super excited. So I brought some of those like SOG oh, yeah. kind of. Uh, you have some cool ones too. Right? Multi tools, and yeah. like our host and stuff was just like he was just like blown away with how, how cool it was. And then I was like looking at like the the tools he has to sort of work with on his sort of little mini house slash farm because everybody has a little bit of a farm going on. So at the end of the trip, I gave him my my uh, my SOG sort of uh, pliers, wire cutter, and knife, and he was just like so stoked so that felt pretty good that's awesome chris what have you been working on well now if we see a report that's like incidents of stabbings up ten thousand <laughs> no, percent in uganda we know who to blame yeah uh so i feel kind of bad now because ben's out here like doing big things and i'm gonna use my platform to to bitch about reddit let's hear about your first world problems <laughs> let's, chris let's hear all right well actually first let me start with the positive <laughs> So a a kind of an announcement. So on Thursday this week, by the time you're listening to this or very soon thereafter, I should have out the video that will announce the whole furniture selling collaboration thing that I'm doing. So, Oh, dude, that's exciting. I'm pumped for this. Yeah. So I guess the best way would be go watch that video. It'll have links to the website. Or if for some reason you like typing in URLs, you can go to www.foreyesfurniture.com slash shop. 
and uh, mm. you'll see the page. You can see the pieces that we're starting off with. Um, you know, if you have any feedback, send me a message on Instagram, email me, whatever. I, I really am genuinely interested to hear what people think of the initial offerings. And, um, and also, I guess if you're interested in buying some or you know anybody, you have any friends or family or whatever, until the end of February, we're going to do 15% off and free shipping in the contiguous United States. If you use the code 4eyes15, it's just one word, capital F. And again, that'll all be in the video. So just go watch the video and, and you'll get all the detail there. Other than that, though, so last week, after the day after we recorded, but before the podcast came up, I put out the um, Man Cave TV stand, plywood TV stand thing that I'd built, and um, it's done really well. You know, it's getting good yeah. views. People seem to like it. I'm really happy with it. But the day after I put it up, I put it on Reddit, and it's a new personal best for me. So the, the comment section already has like a sort of a stereotype there of being a negative place, but it got so out of hand that the moderators actually had to shut down the comments because <laughs> it turned into like a lot of personal attacks. And, you know, they try to kind of keep the conversation on track, but it got off track, so they shut it down. Um and so a lot of people wrote to me privately. I think they like felt bad for me or whatever. And they were like, hey, man, I love your stuff. And they just wanted to know what my thoughts were on what happened in the thread. So I had commented a few times kind of early in the day, but then I was working on other stuff. And, you know, I would check in it periodically, but I, I didn't have the time to go in there. And I didn't really want to go in there and write back to people. So, you know, I was more focused on big things. But I told those people that, you know, I don't want to respond to everybody individually about my thoughts, but I'll talk about it on the podcast next week. So maybe that brought a new few listeners over here. Who knows? But I promised it to people. So <laughs> a few angry listeners. Well, not those Welcome, people. Everybody. These, oh, okay. Just <laughs> these kidding. were the people who felt bad for me. And it probably Got brought it. some of them. Who knows? But uh, yeah. yeah, so I said I would give my thoughts on it. So here are Let's my hear. thoughts on it. Here they are. I, I tried to write down a couple notes so that I can remember what I wanted to say. So First off, I think there were about 500 comments on there, and I didn't count them, but let's just say that 400 of them were negative, and that probably those comments came from like, you know, 75 to 100 individuals. So I know that mm -hmm. sounds like a lot, but then when you really think about it in context, there's almost 5,000 people or individuals who upvoted the project, and then even that number pales in comparison to the majority of people who just kind of passively view something click on it. Maybe they like it. Maybe they don't. They never really voice their opinion about it. But I would assume that most people probably enjoy it if they clicked on it in the first place. Otherwise, you'd just not be interested in it. So when you really think about it in the context, like, you know, even if it was 200 people, it's a very tiny percentage of people. It's just a very vocal minority. So yeah. next, like I said before, that subreddit kind of has a mob mentality. And it's like, you know, if people get in there, they'll get negative. It starts a snowball effect and it just keeps going. And then I think people are also kind of like afraid to come in there and say otherwise because they're basically just going to get downvoted. And I don't know if they care about their karma score, but it'll take a hit for sure. Um, and honestly, like the personal attacks, I really don't even care about that that much. Like I don't take them personally or take them seriously in any way. Um, I always just think it's kind of lazy that it seems like the number one thing people always go for is like calling me a hipster or whatever. I think it's, I guess it's cause I wear glasses, but you know, I'm nearsighted, sue me, whatever. <laughs> I think it's, just, it's, a, it's a lazy joke. Come on, bring some better material people. Um, and then the next thing. So now I'm I realize I'm turning into Ben based on some comments that he's made about this in the past. So like I said, I'm fine with the personal attacks, but where I actually start getting annoyed 
is when people start kind of Monday morning quarterbacking and chiming in with advice that's just bad advice. And so I always think about right, like somebody yeah. who might be new to woodworking that's reading through this. And I hope that they can see those people for the, I guess, I don't know, posers that they are and not listen to the bad advice. So here's a case in point. It was There was a long thread within the comments that was about how I'm an amateur because I'm cutting my interior shelf to the finished length by making several cuts to get it down to the perfect size. And so if you were actually good, you would have just got that first shot. Yeah. So that's what they say. They say (laughs) that, you know, if, if you're worth your, if you're worth anything, then you can just nail that one cut perfectly dialed in. Um, and they also, they also say that, you know, oh, he's making multiple passes on it. He's going to ruin his work piece. So I don't know what I can say other than that, then I did and it didn't ruin the work piece. So I don't know, proof's in the pudding. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. anybody who's built a couple projects would know that that's a very bad idea because, you know, there's a good chance you're going to cut something too short. And then, you know, hopefully you have enough material to make a, a backup piece for that. But yeah, it's just a bad idea. Um, and so then the last thing was, I guess this is a little bit of psychology, but I always think that there's, there's two reasons that people choose to do something. So either it makes them money or it makes them happy. So I post videos of myself making furniture and I share them on Reddit for, I guess, both of those reasons. You know, it is a job and because I enjoy it, it makes me happy to do it. But the people who are sitting there, you know, ripping somebody apart and acting like experts hiding behind their keyboards, they do it. They're not making money from it. So they're doing it because it makes them happy and it makes them feel better about themselves to basically put somebody down. So I would say that if that's you, and that does make you feel better about yourself to, you know, put somebody else down. You should really stop and not for my sake, but for yours, because that it's, I don't, I don't know. There's no way, better way to put it than other to say it's what losers do. Like that's just loser mentality and it's not going to serve you well. It's not going to make your life better. And yeah, I mean, that's it, pretty it, much all I got. It, it, it's, there you go. For a minute though, right? Like, Let's try to like imagine it from their perspective. And it's funny, I was thinking about it a little bit recently and it's almost, it's hard to imagine how the project you made, which is cool, like like actually gets to the point where it offends some people, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, if you actually think about what are the steps happening? And if you ask these people, why are you because often people will express like actual like rage and upset oh, yeah. about <laughs> there were very upset people the image of a cabinet right so <laughs> if if you're to think about what that means it, i think it's it's very similar to sort of identity politics in a lot of way where people have an idea that there's these kind of people in the world and there's these kind of people in the world and i have a better shot of being appreciated and accepted and uh, 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 elevated amongst these group of people because we have similar values, and I kind of think that these kind of this group of people over here isn't going to really like me, and is going to make fun of my music and my haircut and my bootcut jeans. Right. So there's uh, it, it starts with that with this sort of fear of of acceptance and sort of tribalism, mm-hmm. and that's why like things like hipster keep coming out because they're they're seeing that difference and that's starting off the point and and what they're assuming is this guy probably wouldn't like me or he probably wouldn't like my music or he probably wouldn't like uh my movie choices or he probably wouldn't like my woodworking mm-hmm. but he still do but we have this overlap which is in the field of woodworking 
And so therefore, I'm going to begin my comment with a uh, looking for more of a way to, to attack him and who he is uh, versus sort of actually looking at the work and trying to find good things in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it's wrong that people do that, but it's also the most natural and most common thing. The, the hopeful thing uh, is that we can sort of elevate above that and be like, and, and at, at our best, we like look for people that are totally have a different lifestyle or sort of culture or background as us, but has some sort of co- commonality in the woodworking and use it to be like, huh, well, that's like someone that would be totally different than all my other friends that we would have this sort of common bond with. Um, so, but I think that's where that where it often comes from. And, and if you sort of look at like the words that they choose, it's no different than like coded language people often use in sort of uh, uh, sort of race uh, and, and political discussions, where they're trying to sort of set this person up as something, and regard so that it right. makes it really easy because it's hard to be accurate about the specifics. It's hard to be an expert. Uh, I doubt if there is, you know, a hundred and something people making comments on the thing. I doubt that there is a hundred or so woodworking experts making comments on those things from positions of authority. I imagine there's, uh, uh, but you know, on the flip side, people do the same thing with positive, right? So a lot of the positive feedback that we get is a result of the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's people that maybe they don't actually even like your work that much but they like the general idea of who you are and who you appreciate so the thing we mm-hmm. have to also remember is that it's uh it's not really a bad thing when it's in the positive way um but we definitely benefit from probably the same dynamic in a, in a positive sense that drives us crazy in a negative sense yeah i think that's fair to say yeah i'm gonna jump in real fast and just say I thought the video was killer. I don't. I honestly don't see a legitimate cons- from somebody that if if I'm somebody looking to hate, I really don't see a legitimate, an actual legitimate thing to like. I could stand my ground on and say like, you really effed up on this. Yeah. Because it it's a good video. I really loved your explanation at the beginning where you're like, this is why I'm building it to this height. This uh, like a normal TV is this size. You wanted an eye level, which is this height. Right. That was really smart from the top. Um, and, and the way you did the doors, uh-huh. I did, I did doors like that a long time ago, maybe like a year and a half ago. It was, I think on the first console table I built. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I didn't do is think to make the top groove deeper than the bottom one. That way I could get, get my in and doors and you can get the doors in and out. Yeah. Whenever I built mine, I made them the same depth to where the doors are locked in. I mean, they still slide fine and everything, but it's yeah. just like a little, it was just a little thing that you thought of that I thought was really neat. Um, is there anything anyone was actually saying that I, was legitimate? Um, okay, so I don't know if I think this is legitimate if you didn't watch the video, maybe, and like you just like skimmed through it real quick. But one of the common complaints was that in the beginning, I talk about how you could build this thing with a circular saw and a drill okay. as the two major tools. I'm not talking about glue and yeah. screws and all you know clamps, whatever. I'm talking about you know these are the power tools that you would need to do it, and then. So I showed the way that you could do it with those two tools. You could make all of these pieces. Then some of the things I say, okay, now if you want to keep it as easy as can be, you can do, you can cut all your pieces. You can use hairpin legs. You've got your cabinet. If you want to do these doors, 
you, again, you could do it with a circular saw, but it's probably easier if you use a router. So then I started yeah. showing options for how you could do things other ways to make it quicker, but still everything was in there to make it with those two tools. But these people yeah. have this like insane rigid idea of what two tools was. I mean, they were complaining about like some of the dumbest things as being tools. And I was like, well, should I mention that you need hands and that you need gravity? Because <laughs> gravity was pretty integral in, in being able to make this cabinet. It's just like insane that people just have this like, it's as if they've been abused by other people about like these, these and types of, of videos. Tools. Right. And so like, like, oh, all these people who've said that I could make this with two tools and then I couldn't, I've been abused for 50 years. And now like, I'm just waiting for my time to lash out about, you can't yeah. do that with two tools. So I think that was like the number one thing that people seemed very negative and rigid huh. about, but. I've come, I've come to the conclusion. I've done that a couple of times as well saying like, if you wanted to, you could build this whole thing with this, 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 and this. And it works fine, but I'm going to use a table saw because it's easier. Right. I've come to the conclusion I'm never going to say that in a video anymore. Mm -hmm. Only for that reason. is because people, it seems like people can't understand that because I'm cutting it on the table saw doesn't mean I couldn't set up a straight edge with a circular saw. It's just this is faster and easier. It doesn't matter even if you say it. For some reason, there's people out there that just, yeah. there's a disconnect and and I don't think you're ever going to reach them. So. I think they're they're I think that you're looking to be mad and then you're waiting for that moment to be you're mad. You're looking for the opportunity more than you're trying to understand. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Do, do you think I, my hunch is that this happens more in online communities that are gathering around specific topics, right? Probably. Um because, how so? Well, I if if you my first experience with this came from uh, architectural uh, blogs. So blogs mm -hmm. on architecture, uh, sort of before I started using Pinterest. And if you look at the comment sections of any architecture blogs, it's like, it could be the work of the greatest, you know, architects going. And it is just all how terrible it is, how irresponsible and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and I think architecture, it's even more exaggerated than woodworking. It's way more higher percentage negative. And it's because Every very, there's like, it would be if like all the, if in order to make a walnut table, you had to spend millions of dollars because to make a building of right, significance right. is millions of dollars. So there's very few opportunities. There's only a couple, you know, Guggenheim museums that get built every year. Um, and, you know, even then there's, it, it's so difficult to get one of those commissions and to pull it off. So uh, it's a very capital intensive thing that requires extreme achievements and patronage in order to get anything done of significance. Meanwhile, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that will never have their name on a building that feel they're just as talented. Uh, and they very well may be. And again, it might be like yeah. what I was describing before. It might be a, a case of, of things. So that was when I first encountered it. Whereas if you in general, if you, if people are just sort of looking at random stuff, it, if you look at like CNN does a post on like, hey, look at this extreme building, the comments aren't as disproportionately negative. You can actually see the architect in there. Most people are like, oh, that's cool, super cool, right? right? Oh, that's a fancy building. You know, it's it's they're not they're not as as knowledgeable, but they're often much more positive because they're just reacting to it as like, oh, that's a cool building I haven't seen before. Oh, that's how that's made. That's clever. That's responding to this local condition, and. But it's when, again, it's that identity thing. It's threatening to people to feel like they see flaws in something that is of higher achievement than what they're doing. Right. right. Yes. Uh, because what's happening is, is 
their initial reaction is being like, I haven't made anything of significance. That makes me feel crappy about myself. And then they see someone else do something, and they're and but then they see a couple things that they think are legitimate weaknesses. So they're going to focus on that because then they have the ability to sort of feel like they're climbing over that that thing through those sort of like a uh, few critical handholds that they're trying to identify, um, right. and they're trying to feel better in sort of doing that. Whereas like a person that has no vested interest in woodworking architects, just like. Doesn't bother me. It's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. exactly. They'll just look at it. Yeah, I want different like, colors for my house. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier to prove you're an expert by pointing out something somebody did wrong rather than agreeing with something somebody did good because there's there's not value to that to somebody like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's funny. I was listening to uh, you guys ever listened to the podcast from the Ringer? It's like Bill Simmons's uh, media uh, group. I have. Yeah, um, I was listening to one where uh, Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan were talking about their 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 list of the top ten shows, uh, television shows of the year, and I, I like those guys. They're really funny, very witty, uh, and they have excellent sort of uh, uh, sort of in depth uh, insight into sort of television, how it's made, and 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 what they think the showrunners are trying to sort of communicate. But. It's funny when they when they're forced to put their top ten list. It's almost like they're curating this thing, and they can't just say the things they like the best, right? It's mm-hmm. because they're in this role of critic. They have to kind of justify it and make sure they're including some of this and that instead of just being like, "This, this is what is, I like." These are the ten things that brought me the most joy. So right. whenever you hear them, like they didn't put like Game of Thrones on their list, but that's really what they talked about most of the in most of the uh, episodes of the podcast because it's the most significant show. But it was like, oh, it was almost like they were not saying that because it would be too basic for them as sort of their critic role to sort of do that. When that's obviously right. the show that they enjoyed talking about and dominated all their discussions for the most amount of hours in the last year. It's like if you're a food critic and you're like, well, what's your favorite dish? Kraft macaroni and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Doesn't matter how good it is, but oh, yeah. speaking, speaking of which, I was in, I was in uh, so I had layovers in Dubai. Uh, which in like contrast to like Uganda is just about is <laughs> like different. It's, yeah. Like I was like walking through this like uh, aquarium tunnel with sharks swimming all around me. And I was thinking like, you know, we're hoping to build a school with housing for a hundred <laughs> students for about like 50 to $60,000. I think that's probably how much like 10 square feet of this like curved, super strong glass that can sp- support 60 feet of water above it costs yeah yeah but um i saw chilies there and a johnny rockets and i was (laughs) like okay if there's an applebee's in a mall in dubai (laughs) i'm totally gonna do it but i couldn't find one so yeah they they had all sorts of sort of generic stuff from all over the world but no applebee's come on applebee's step up your game mike what are you working on (laughs) Oh, yeah. Now that we're 35 minutes deep into the episode. (laughs) Well, I don't have a lot to complain about, guys. It's it's been good things. Um, It's been cold. That's it. Um, But no, this week, the No Weld Dining Table video is going out today. If you're listening on Thursday, today is today. And uh, I hope it does well. The table itself is probably my favorite looking thing that I've built in a long time. Maybe ever. I don't know. That's awesome. I think it's, it's just... It's a testament to SketchUp or 3D modeling in general. Whatever you use, even even if you're just good at drawing by hand, 
I never would have been able to figure out the measurements, the angles, and all of that crap if I couldn't have a 3D model of it on my computer first. It's one, a testament to I'm planning, not, to planning yes. out a build. Like, number one, I just, I'm not good at geometry and stuff like that, so I couldn't have done it myself, but being able to see everything, and Chris helping me out, we've got a video coming out uh, where I did a rough model of it to figure out the proportions and general dimensions that I needed, but it wasn't a proper plan because of all the angles and stuff like that. It was just a little complicated, so Chris hopped on a Google Hangout and we rebuilt the whole thing and and recorded all of it while we were talking. Mm-hmm. And so I think that'll be a neat little video because it kind of demonstrates the like level two of SketchUp. Level one is building something that everything is square, I would okay. assume. Yeah. Like maybe maybe a coffee table where everything's a right angle. Then mm-hmm. level two is maybe this dining table where things are 15 degrees, generally 30 degrees here. Um, and you kind of get a little bit of feel of how to how to rotate things on axes and everything like that. And then maybe level three is, I don't know, something with like curves. And yeah. Organic like organic shapes. shapes. Yeah. Kind of so like actual was, woodworking. Exactly. So I, so on this second channel that I'm starting, uh, more info on that in the video. So go, go watch that. I'm putting out the, this video, but hopefully in the next week or two, I have a project that's a little bit more simple that I can make like a level one, build your first or design your first coffee table in SketchUp or design your first whatever it is in SketchUp where it is that level one project. Um, I would like to have a little series where I can basically, if somebody wants to learn SketchUp, they can watch these four videos. And by the time they're done with it, if they followed along, they're proficient enough to be able to design pretty much whatever they want furniture wise. Um, and who knows if I, if I learn fusion, maybe I can do the same thing. I would like to also learn it just for the sake of it because I just hear you guys bickering back and forth about it and I am the person with no influence you know what I mean like I I have no disposition one way or the other so I kind of want to learn fusion for my next project and see which one's just more intuitive from the start and a little bit more user-friendly maybe I, I really like that you you described SketchUp isn't just a tool for making plans. You actually talked about how it influenced and allowed you to design something that looks different. And I think yeah. that's an underrated uh, ability of sort of uh, design tools is they're not just to sort of document what you've already figured out. Good design tools will actually inform and challenge the way you actually design things. Um, and so... It might let you be more adventurous because you have sort of symmetry tools, copy and paste tools. Uh, you can control the angles of things precisely and all and that. And also you can think about things in terms of digital assembly and sort of do a little yeah. bit of trial and error and figure out that things may fit where where you didn't uh, think they could. So I, I think that's 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 a really important concept is to think of it not just as something to to record what you already figured out, but to actually explore and develop new ideas the the table looks awesome and following it along on your your instagram stories and and, and super excited about it the the thing that uh that i would sort of you know say about sort of again to rehash the fusion and and sketchup thing it's not that that sketchup's bad um and you know you're doing exactly what it's great at is getting started into it something really really easy but I'm just suggesting that the same way that SketchUp allowed you to do to develop some things, uh, that some design types that you couldn't have developed without it, Fusion can allow you to develop some other things at a more sophisticated level that SketchUp 
wouldn't allow you to do, right? Mm-hmm. So it might not be, you know, you might ex- exhaust SketchUp until your stuff all from SketchUp starts to look the same. And then yeah. that might be the time to sort of introduce uh, Fusion to sort of take things to a whole different level. Um, the other thing that I would sort of say is that it, it's people always have this sort of in, in design schools, they often have the same sort of uh, conversation that they have in woodworking circles where they'll sort of say like, oh, hand tools are better than machine tools, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, machine tools, basic machine tools are better than CNCs when really you know, I think the nuanced approach is that they're all can be great for specific applications and it, and it might be nice to have a, a abilities and access to all of them. Right. No it's, doubt. It's the same thing with like hand sketching versus uh, 3D modeling. So I'll still take like an initial idea, sketch for, for if, you know, if I had a design idea, I might sketch it out three times really quick stick figure kind of drawings. If it's like a table, just drawing the profiles, you know, the short end profile and the long end profile, draw them like four or five times real quick, about 20 seconds of drawing. And then I'll start 3D modeling, right? Because yeah. it's often hard to get the overall sort of, because in in that hand sketch, I can quickly get a sense of proportion. I can quickly get a sense of like the types of components and what the silhouette wants to look like. And that mm-hmm. already gets me ahead where I find that like, if I try to start do that in the modeling, it's hard, but modeling is where I can really figure out how how different layers of like legs and braces and support start to overlap and intersect and all those things. Yeah, yeah it's like there's it's like there's three layers of thought process, or at least elimination for me when it comes yeah. to design. It's like you picture it mentally, you think it works, so then you draw it on paper, right? And then once it draws on paper and looks good, then you can model it. But it's like each level you can eliminate an idea. Like you can picture it mentally and be like, oh nope, that's ugly. You Cross it out, and then right. you know what I mean, and do that with each level. Or with paper, once you draw it on paper, you might say, "Ooh, I kind of like that silhouette," but I don't yeah. know how the pieces are going to come together. And then you might explore different options in right. the 3D modeling. Yeah, and that's not to say that that's not the only way of getting cool ideas, because uh, like you talk about it a lot, just like walking around a store, looking at something, and then thinking of like two or three ways of how it could be used outside of its traditional way. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what I did whenever I came up with the idea for the whole PVC inlay was I was just kind of looking around Home Depot one day, saw PVC pipe, and I thought, you know, that's everywhere. Everyone has access to it. How's a couple of ways I could use it outside of the way it normally gets used? And then that's how that came about. Um, And I did the same thing whenever I was picking up the aluminum from the metal supplier. I just walked around and it was less for looking at things and figuring out how I could use them uh, outside of it. It was all kind of in relation to the table. Um, but I was just looking around because I knew I needed on the on the leg supports. It's basically two kind of frames. Uh, the the two legs are independent from each other. There's no stretcher connecting the whole base as one unit. Right. Um, and I knew I wanted uh, the aluminum bar at the top of the legs, and I wanted a second support maybe halfway down the legs as well, just to make everything stronger. And initially, I thought I would just put another you know piece of aluminum there but i i didn't love it once i had sketched it in in it was it was once again it was the process of elimination in my head i was like okay i need two supports i think this will look cool i drew it it looked okay and then once i modeled it i realized having that second aluminum bar halfway down it mm-hmm. made everything a little too clunky it just weighed mm-hmm. everything down too much and so while i was at the metal supplier i hadn't come up with the solution yet but i was like okay i'm just going to walk around until i find something maybe i find and like an angle aluminum that'll look cool or maybe just a, a thinner piece of an aluminum could be cool. 
Um, but I came across brass rods. Mm-hmm. They just had tons of brass rods. And I looked at that and I said, that's it. And so, you know what I mean? It was just like, as soon as you see it, it clicks. And so there's, it's just, there's a lot of places for inspiration. And as long as you're always looking at something, trying to figure out how you could use it, um, it's cool. Just always be on the ready because you never know when inspiration hits. Hey, Mike, how, so getting those, what, what, what was the interior? Like one and a quarter by one and a quarter, the pieces of wood, something like that. Uh, it was, well, the, the tube itself was two and a half inches square with eighth inch walls. Okay. So two, so that came out to two and a quarter. So how hard was it to like pound those pieces into the metal? Did (laughs) did it go in pretty easy or you have to like really hammer them? So I made the mistake first off of just getting a two by six, cutting it in half and then gluing it into a square, which Uh a two by six is five and a half inches. So that came out to be, oh gosh, math. (laughs) <laughs> Two and a half inch squares, basically. Uh-huh. Maybe even a little more than that. Whatever it is. But so I was running these things through the planner like 30 times on each side, not thinking from the table saw, I could have gotten them to where there was like an eighth of an inch from their final dimension. Right. Um, so after running them through the planner for probably like 45 minutes, I had the planner running. Mm-hmm. I got everything. And on the first one, it took me like 20 minutes because once I started it, I couldn't pull it back out. It was so tight. Right. And so I was just sitting there hitting it with a with a mallet. Then I got a big like. Then I got a hammer and just a wood block. So I was like, okay, this has a little bit more mass. Mm-hmm. But after I got the first one done, I was like, okay, I got to go back to the planner. And so I tried to take off as little as I could, um, but I took off a little more than I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted it to where I would have to hit them in place, like I wouldn't be able to push them in right. place. But I I ended up getting them um, a little bit thinner than I wanted to where I could kind of with a lot of like I had to really force them in there but I could I could force them in there by hand but uh I was a little nervous about it but turns out it worked out fine the epoxy was totally strong also I guess because because of the angle that they're at instead so if it was at a 90 degree angle like then gravity the whole time would be trying to push the metal part further down onto the wood but because they're at an angle it's really not like you know, you need Not a so different much, kind yeah. of pressure to really shove it in deeper. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm really pumped with how it came out. I'd love to hear, uh, you know, the the people listening, what y'all thought of it. Uh, so let me know in the comments. They should. They sh- I think the video will do well. Um, I, I'm just happy with it. Aside from that, though, I've got a dwell video going up this week. It'll be my second dwell uh, video, dwell made. Uh, mm-hmm. So just go to YouTube, search Dwell Made. You'll find it. If you're not already subscribed there, make sure you're su- subscribed to it. If not just for the sake of us, just do it for us. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but it's a uh, it's a candle video again, but this one with metal bases. I took the opportunity to experiment, basically. I knew whenever I was building the steel-based candles that I was going to be, you know, messing around with all the wax and it was I was going to be making a mess. So I figured I might as well be making wood-based candles too. Uh, wood-based candles too. Mm-hmm. There we go. That first inflection was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I had been setting aside kind of unique pieces of wood that I thought would be neat for this project because I've had the idea of doing it for a while. So I've had some thick walnut pieces from uh, the walnut slab table I built a long time ago, left over and saved. I used that for some. I made one that was a, uh, some that were plywood based, some that were just uh, wood based, all kinds of stuff. So go check that out. Um, I don't think the video will do crazy, but I think it's interesting and it's just a cool, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think it's fun to experiment in videos and just kind of show the 
process of like, this worked, this didn't, but I tried it, so now you know not to try it. Um, and I think there's value in that. So go check that out. Let me know what y'all think. Yeah, we actually posted two Dwell videos this week since uh, I was uh, overseas and forgot to post mine before I left. Um, <laughs> so we also posted a very simple DIY leather bench. And so if yeah. you're interested in entry level, how to upholster something with leather, how to add padded leather to your otherwise wood furniture or steel furniture, this is a good video that just isolates just how to do just that. So it's how to make mm-hmm. a really simple uh, wood cushion using Kaizen foam, uh, leather from Tandy Leather, and a staple gun. So yeah, super I thought that easy. was that was a really cool project because I mean I know we're going to have variety with the types of project that the three of us are going to do over there, but I thought that one was like the epitome of what those kind of videos should kind of be aimed at, where it's dead simple techniques, like very minimal amount of what you need to do it, but using higher quality stuff than like what the typical beginner project's going to be and showing that you can actually make something that's like pretty unique and pretty cool, pretty simply. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of the beauty of dwell made videos though, is that we don't have that built in audience where the, especially like I would imagine for you, Chris, and then slightly less for me and then slightly less for you, Ben, is there's like a threshold of how complicated the project has to be. Mm-hmm whether it's just in your head or to the audience, but there's a perception there where it's like uh, the console table you just built, Chris. I don't mm-hmm. think there'll be anything simpler than that furniture-wise on your channel. I yeah, just don't think you probably, like, I just can't imagine you letting yourself do that. But right. with Dwell Made, there's not that, I don't know what it is, just that like assumption. Like expectation or whatever. Exactly. So the project itself can be simple, but it can be like an experiment in technique or an experiment in material and it can Mm -hmm. be like centered with that one thing without the complexity of the project getting in the way of it yep yep it's a good way to put it it's uh yeah i i'm i'm liking how the the series is rounding out we're building a nice portfolio of stuff and uh yeah so keep keep tuning in uh the idea is to sort of do a video every thursday and we've we've mostly been doing that um So, uh, and pretty soon, Jesse, my sister, is going to have her f- first videos up there. Um, awesome. So, that, uh, that to look forward to as well. Sweet. All right. So, now that we're however long into it, what are we I talking about this week, guys? I don't think we're going to. Let's, <laughs> let's save a topic for next week because we're yeah. already f- like 50 minutes into this thing. We rattled oh, on too long. Wow. Okay, well, I, cool. I, I want to talk about a few uh, ways that people can sort of uh, meet us in person. So... Uh, coming up very soon uh, uh, in February is a uh, workbench conference, which is basically the conference for people that make stuff. Um, I think there's still tickets available, so be sure to check that out. There's links to it in our uh, on our Instagram page, the Modern Maker Podcast. So check out WorkbenchCon. You can come hang out with us. I think we're going to be building some stuff, some live builds and stuff like that. Um, but like, uh, like Johnny, uh, Brooks said, uh, last week, it's really just an awesome time to hang out, uh, both, uh, during the conference, after hours, uh, drink beers, make new friends and, uh, talk shop. Um, yep. but for all of our European listeners and specifically, uh, uh, UK listeners, I will be at, uh, Ma- the maker central event on the 5th and 6th of May. And uh, it's a pretty awesome event uh, with a lot of interesting people there. I think over 500 different uh, crafts people are going to be attending. 
and all you know the sort of people that we sort of know and love. Um, and I think it's awesome because uh, I do get a lot of messages from people in uh, mostly the UK, but a little bit of Germany too, sort of saying, hey, where do I get, what's the equivalent of quick read over here? Or we oh, don't have yeah. two by four, so what do I use over here? So I get a lot of those European things. So that I know there is quite a big European audience that watches uh, a lot of this content that's produced here in, in the US. So it's a great uh, opportunity to go over there and sort of uh, meet the people. So if you are a fan and uh, uh, live in Europe or in England, uh, it's going to be in Birmingham on the 5th and 6th of May. And I think I'm going to be doing some live demos, possibly some molten metal stuff. And uh, I think we're going to be giving away some of the, the Lego Man belt buckles that I made. Oh, nice. nice. I'm bummed out I'm not going to that. It looks like a lot of fun. Well, we, we might figure out a way to smuggle you over there. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just fit in your carry-on. There you go. Uh, we can check. We'll check me. You got your passport right, up to date, Mike? I do, yeah. Went okay, to so Mexico go. last year, so <laughs> last had to week. go there. <laughs> last year. <laughs> last week. I just stopped by real fast. Yeah, just a quick in and jaunt out. over to Mexico. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Should we talk about anything? Is anybody obsessed with anything? Ooh. Um... Sorry. I thought you ever start a sentence just hoping something like just hoping something will be there by the time you get to where you need to be. You really sold it with the ooh. Yeah. Uh, I thought you really were obsessed with something. Oh, Um, man. uh, Couscous. I ate couscous for the first time. Good stuff. I like it. It's good. Have you you had have you had quinoa? Oh, yeah. I I bought it and I. okay. this is a funny thing. I thought it was quinoa. (laughs) <laughs> when i bought it but i was i was pleasantly surprised it was still tasty um i'll, I'll tell you what i'll give you one uh i took my uh sony a6000 mirrorless camera with me uh on my travels and it was really fun shooting with that with for a change instead of either an iphone which is what i use sort of casually for social media a lot or sort of a video camera so uh those little mirrorless cameras are pretty awesome. They're just compact. Uh, the, I feel like the color rendering on them is just outstanding. Um, yeah. So I've also seen people do really cool stuff with the Fujifilm ones. Um, th- those have a really interesting sort of color profile. And uh, yeah, just a fun fun tool to experiment with. Nice. Cool, cool. Oh, I, I'm gonna do my shout out. It's the is Jimmy Duresta was on Ask This Whole Old House. I watched. It that, seems yeah, like I do a oh, shout out. Yes. Yeah, I've been doing that a shout funny. out like every week, but it was it was funny. So go watch that. Um, just Google Jimmy Duresta This Old House. You'll find it. Uh, I don't know the URL or anything for it. Yeah, and it's yeah. If you're a fan of sort of online content producers, particularly in the maker making genre, like retweet go even if you hardly ever use twitter go on twitter look at this old house and retweet anything that says jimmy DeResta on it because yeah uh, that sends the message to them that they should do more of these kind of things with these kind of people and right. i love the idea of like you know uh, uh jimmy sort of interacting with some of these people on pbs that i've you know seen since uh the beginning mm-hmm. i just only hope that they eventually gets on sesame street be <laughs> <laughs> doing a song with the kids so yeah, yeah. It was really. So, it's funny. I actually just watched that video last ti- last night too, and it was cool. It was. I don't know. It was kind of like worlds collide. It was kind of surreal in a way to like see somebody gap. that you're used to seeing somewhere else on a something that you've watched for so many years. 
Yeah. In this old house. Yeah. So search Jimmy DeResta, this old house, and then share the shit out of all that content. Yeah. It makes me kind of wish Jimmy would have a TV production, but still just post to his channel. Because he is such like a good like TV personality type that like sometimes it it's not able to show from behind the camera as well. See, you know, I, I think he should do more like the Anthony Bourdain style, like more like oh, a yeah. travel show. Right, where, That'd be that, great. where he goes around and just talks to other makers because he he's genuinely curious. He'd be interested in all the things they're doing, and like that's what I was thinking the whole time I was in, I was in Uganda. I was like, ah, oh, this is something that Jimmy DeResta would have would love because they they have so many different ways of making things that are incredibly practical to their circumstances. But because the circumstances are different, everything's different about how they do it. Right. Yeah. So because they're like roads are 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 clogged and not, very few people have trucks. You'll see people carrying like massive amounts of rebar on a motorcycle. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is like could also you know create like a new jousting type sport. Nice, <laughs> deadly. That's You've already introduced knives to them, Ben. Yeah. You got to take it a step further with jousting now. Yeah, <laughs> rebar motorbike jousting. That's All right. That's probably awesome, a good guys. place to end the episode. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the Dwell Made YouTube channel. Or it's just the Dwell YouTube channel. But thank you for subscribing to that. Sharing those videos helps us out a lot because, once again, kind of like the way Jimmy DeResta is out doing something that's not technically super traditional, we're kind of doing the same thing. You know, doing videos for other people, this is the first time all three of us have done that. So, you guys supporting that proves that it's a legitimate thing and so the that just that just helps so thank you guys for that um if you haven't reviewed the podcast before we appreciate that five star is always great uh we are at four eyes furniture at benjamin ueda and at modern builds on instagram and at modern maker podcast for that uh thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week on the modern maker podcast bye everybody later